one surprising player, and I know you mentioned him uh, earlier, um, Matt Irwin. And uh, this was something that Phil Hasley, I think, or McCarthy, one of the coaches at, at the in the uh, intermission. What color was his suit? Was it brown? Or was it McCarthy? I think it was not brown, so it must have been Hasley. Must have been Hasley. Um, is and I think he's. Uh, this is not an exact quote. This is paraphrasing, but he's basically said that you know one of the reasons Matt Irwin has done so well is that he's just so calm. He's in, in, especially when shooting, he doesn't panic. Uh, his shot really is is just kind of an average shot, but it's timing. And it's just that he remains calm in kind of all situations. And uh, I'm glad that Matt Irwin has solved one of the greatest mysteries in hockey, which is how to increase your shooting percentage consistently. I think he's got the highest shooting percentage in the entire team right now <laughs> at five on five. I mean, it's like it's ridiculous. Um, I mean, good for Matt Irwin. Yeah. Love seeing the offense. Love seeing him be involved. Gives uh, Laviolette another opportunity, like someone to fill in with uh, with Potato not being available. Way better. Still doing way more effective than Carl. But come on. Yeah. Well, He's calm, so he can shoot the puck better than anyone else. Yeah. Well, considering how high-strung the rest of our defense is, I mean, I have to give him a little bit of props. Obviously, that's not the magic behind his shot right now, but it probably does help. Yeah. yeah. And and it, it probably in his deployment and his usage, he's not re- being required to play a full 200-foot game all the time, um, unlike Yossi, unlike Subban, Ekholm, Ellis. But, you know, I think there's something to that. I mean... Is he getting a little bit lucky? Yeah, for oh, sure. Yeah. He's definitely Scoring getting three lucky. Games in a oh, row I'm not, I don't want to take lucky. anything away from Irwin. I want to take it away from wherever coach said that. Because <laughs> that's not helpful. That's that's a problem. If like, Yeah, he's, he's shooting really well. He's scoring goals because he's so calm. He found his inner zen. <laughs> Um, has you know he, he went through his his you know his ceremony to be, to be crowned crowned to be become a Buddhist priest and now he can shoot unlike any other because well, he, he has realized that there is no difference between him and the puck they are one and the same and one with the universe therefore the puck is essentially already in the net so why not just shoot it yeah well and and the, the root of all pain is desire right and he has no desire to score goals he has no he desire just, to score he just goals. desires to 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 be thoughtful and be mindful of the moment right. And he's, I think he's in the middle of the eightfold path, I believe. I think is what he's, maybe like halfway there. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd say he's, he's, you know, third or fourth fold. I mean, it's definitely one of those little uh, fourth thing, you know, little little uh, uh, fortune telling. Yeah, I don't. What are those things called? Do you know, you know, what I'm talking about. I'm trying to mime here with the, you know, it's like sort of like a pyramid, and you kind of you choose the letters and numbers, and you fold the thing out. Yeah, I know exactly. What name for those? I don't know what they're There's called. There's a name. I don't know what it is though. <laughs> Someone, someone come through. We need to know the answer. So to that Matt one. Irwin is going to um, take everyone on a field trip to Tibet. Pulling up freaks. Welcome back to the show that enjoys talking about Predators hockey, regardless of how often they win or lose, tie. You've, co- you've covered it. We, that's, yeah, that's, those those are the three, three possible outcomes. The only three. Um, even if this week, you know, all we have to talk about are three plain old boring wins, uh, we're going to work hard to make this interesting for you. Uh, you're listening to the Predcast, brought to you by OnTheForeCheck.com. I'm Alex. I'm here with Chris and Maria. How are you guys doing? Not too bad. Yeah. You know, c- considering all things, uh, doing well. Considering we just had three wins to watch, that's. I, I'm I'm still not sure that happens. Uh, let, ask me again next week, and I'll I'll have a feeling whether or not that actually happened or not. <laughs> um, right now, I'm just sort of basking in the afterglow of 
not having a loss, like a proper regulation loss in a couple weeks almost. What is this team doing not having a proper loss to talk about? I'm ecstatic. I'm going to give it another, about another week before I stop panicking. Oh, yeah, the, but... the Matt Irwin point streak ends, a whole other point streak begins. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, So the, yeah, the team is on a six-game point streak, is that right? Yes. Yeah, six-game wow. point streak. Wow. Three game win streak, which is uh, which is pretty impressive. So we're gonna we're gonna unpack this as much as 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 much as we can. Uh, there's a lot to talk about with these wins because the team really played well uh, over a course of three games. Um, they played. They yeah. always play well. Yeah. well. I know we'll talk about that. Yeah. Certain uh, certain large portions of the team played well. Huge portions, substantial portions of the team played well. All right. <laughs> Um, maybe certain lines didn't. So we're going to talk about the, obviously the three wins. Um, we're going to talk about certain players that really contributed the most to that, to those wins. Um, we're going to talk about a little bit. We're going to try to try to talk about the, the whole league overall. We haven't really done that this year so far. Uh, we've been trying to uh, stop the bleeding, so to speak, from all the losses of the year. But uh, there is a whole other league out there to talk about. So we're going to do that a little bit later on. We're going to talk about some of your, uh, well, we're going to answer some of your questions and um, then look look ahead to the to the week ahead. But let's start last Tuesday. Who did they play last Tuesday? You guys remember? I have to look at my notes if I turn it over. Oh wait, it's the Ottawa Senators. Ottawa Senators. All right. So Ottawa, that that crazy team uh, from the north. Um, so to me, I, when I look at this game, this was the most complete win of the of the year so far. Uh, the, the 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 Predators uh, really, from a possession standpoint. Um, kind of dominated this team. Pecorine was really good. Uh, you had P.K. Subban doing crazy things in the offensive office of zone. You had James Neal scoring goals. You had uh, Ryan Ellis, you know, just hammering the puck by by Craig Anderson. And uh, really a great overall win. What do you guys think? I, I think one thing has really stuck with me from this game, um, and that is going to be P.K. Subban. Uh, can we just have a moment and, and, and talk yes. about he, how he kept that puck in the offensive zone? Incredible. How he just skated around like no, it wasn't even that no one could touch him. It's that he was just fighting off everybody to set up that goal. Right. I mean, James Neal finished it, and I don't even think. And who had the primary assist on that? It uh, was Yossi. Uh, the primary, but they were just. I mean, Yossi's pass was nice. It was a nice pass, fine finish on the goal. But PK Subban, not many guys in the entire league can do what he did. Maybe Eric Carlson. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about defensemen. Yeah. Chris Letang did that a lot last year. In the Letang, playoffs Letang's for, another great example. For the, for the yeah. yeah. But, I mean, that's a very small group of elite defensemen who can just boss the zone like, like Subban did, and it was inspiring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was uh, that was a lot of fun to watch, and that's kind of what we expected. You know, in the, in the past, the Predators have been this sort of uh, – well, not just in the past. Now they still are kind of this cycle the puck along the boards and kind of move, move along in those areas. In that case, you had P.K. Subban, who cycled the puck him by himself for that entire shift and made that whole thing happen. Let's talk about the, you know this, this game just in general. Um, you know, we've talked the possession game has not been there for the most for, for, for the most part this season, but it was in that game. Um, the five, if you look five on five, the uh, Predators had 51 shot attempts, four only gave up 41, uh, a really good percentage there. They got the Got 10 high danger chances for, only allowed five. 19 scoring chances for, only allowed 14. The Senators had more shots on the shot counter, um, but they also had more block shots. They just were not playing with the puck. 
Yeah, I mean, we're, we're hitting the inflection point with advanced stats. Everyone's like, oh, maybe we need to think about more about the actual shots themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's one thing, I mean, there's a couple games that we'll talk about later where the other team may have outshot the Predators, but when you actually look at scoring chances, mm-hmm. it wasn't quite so balanced. Right. Um, and, and, you know, granted, I think the, the difference in shots was pretty minuscule. I think it was like maybe three shots, five on five. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, margin of error type stuff there, given how people well, granted given how some guys count shots in the home arena maybe the predators didn't even have that many you right. know you never know um because that is definitely subject but i mean it, what i loved about the game on tuesday is that nashville this season should beat ottawa anytime they play them they only play them twice but they should beat them every single time yeah. and they did and they did yeah. in convincing fashion and there's not a lot to complain about we can just be excited by suban being awesome and thrilling and entertaining and bringing that to the team and into Nashville, given how kind of heart depressing heart, I was going to go with heart wrenching, but changed my mind to depressing partway through and, and sort of dull. A lot of the games this season have yeah. been so far. So the showmanship is appreciated. Yeah. I went into that game expecting it to be another game against Carolina, you know, three, two overtime loss or something like that. Mm-hmm. And just being able to put that forth, put that kind of effort forth just made a lot worth watching. Yeah, I, I, and I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent here, but I'm thinking now, and you talking about Subban, imagine what a Predators team, what that Predators team would have looked like if they had Shea Weber and not P.K. Subban against that game. It would Not only would that James Neal goal probably not have happened, but there's a tendency for Shea Weber to just, I'm just going to play my game. I'm going to sit back and just hammer home shots and hit six of them on the back of the inboards and maybe one will go on net. I mean, we, we're probably, the Predators probably still win that game, but it's a totally different mindset. I mean, you, you're playing primarily defensive, coming up just hammering shots from the blue line. That's It's a total different game now with Subban back there with, uh, with Ekholm and Yossi with Ellis. Yeah, and I think that's one thing we started seeing, uh, you know, Last week, maybe the maybe the week before, and definitely this week is is a conversation and that that narrative being built around team culture and it, Subin has really flipped things on that on its head in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, the team is is not approaching zone entries or power plays the same way that they used to. Different people are taking shots. There's some different responsibilities, and uh, you know, we as as analysts of the game, as you know, hobbyists as we may or may not be to varying degrees underestimated the impact of that right you know we, we i don't i don't think we really talked about the chemistry of pk subin stepping into the team and, and some of the other young guys taking on bigger roles right and how that could disrupt just just your regular gameplay or even just cycling the cycling the puck around mm-hmm. when you're adding a guy like arvidson and subin into the lineup in pronounced roles i figured it would disrupt chemistry in some way i didn't maybe realize the scope of how every single piece had to get moved around. Like our, the way our power play runs now, you know, we have Philip um, literally on a different place on the ice during the power play. Mm-hmm. And, and Subban himself has, has, uh, has talked about that. I mean, Austin, uh, one, of, one of the writers on our site, did a, a piece about um, th- through the first 10 games that there was this sort of adjustment period. And Subban, uh, I can't remember the exact quote, but he said that, yeah, it's been, it's been a total change. I mean, he moved cities, he moved to a new team, new coaching staff, new new environment entirely, uh, it's going to take some time. And it, it took him probably 10, 11 games. He's still kind of adjusting a little bit here and there. So um, so let's uh, – let's one uh, – okay, so with this, the first goal was the, the Neil goal. Um, the second goal was, was the Subban goal where he kind of did that move on the blue line, shot it on net, 
maybe got a little lucky, but hey, it went in. It's hockey. I'll take it. Yeah, we'll take it. I want to talk about one thing that happened right before that, and that was Victor Arvidsson. So just before that, Victor Arvidsson made this play where he came to support uh, Ekholm on the other side of the ice, threw it diagonally across, threw it through the middle of the ice instead of going around the boards where Neil was because he saw him over there, threw it diagonally, and that's basically how Subban got the puck at the top of the blue line. That's something that we don't really see a lot. I, I mentioned this earlier. The Predators have always been this kind of uh, cycling along the boards, not really using the middle of the ice too, all that much. And we're starting to see a little bit more creativity there. Now, I don't mean we need we don't need Ribeiro sending a two-mile-an-hour soft pass right at the top of the blue line. But so we, what do you want to do? <laughs> maybe find a different pass. I don't know. But anyways, what my point is, you know, finding a different – Different ways to attack the zone is just so refreshing. Yeah, I, I, I mean, one thing that I was really getting fed up with last year and, and something that always bothered me is, yeah, you're right. The Preds, they tend to really like cycling the puck along the boards. It's a safe play mm-hmm. a lot of times. You know, it, it keeps it deep. Maybe you can get a line change in. But the Predators in probably the past five years have been really not great at board play. They've not been really great. They go, they go in, and more often than not, it's coming out to the team. There's a few players that are good, but not the overall. Not, not enough to justify every line running that style. So a few of those higher-risk passes, I mean, they, they play into the team's overall style better with Subban and Yossi and Ellis and the guys who are pinching at the top. Uh, and, I mean, frankly, it's just more fun to watch. Yeah. It, it definitely is much more fun to watch, yeah. Um, the third goal was the, uh, the Ellis goal, and, and the, again – the defense is just so much fun to watch right now. Forsberg wins that puck, sees Ellis crash down. Most defenders are going to take that puck kind of where the pass comes in, but Ellis doesn't do that. He, he touches it forward a little bit, gets himself a little bit closer to Anderson because he can see there's no one in front of him, and he just rips it right by him. And that, that just two to three feet difference um, gets him a little bit more you know miles per hour on that shot, and it also uh, gives Craig Anderson less time to see it. And, uh, you know, Ryan Ellis is... He is, you know, I, I know you've talked about him being uh, really one of your kind of favorite players to watch. He is, he is really, when he's in the zone, he is so much fun to watch, especially in the offensive end. Uh, his whole game, you know, be, and we've talked with this since the Predators drafted him, his whole game is mental. He's all about reading the plays, knowing positioning, knowing where guys are going to go before they know they're going to go there, and taking advantage of openings. And that's what he had. And, I, I have this soft spot. One of my my favorite goals are the ones that you that hit the iron and go in. I love that the oh, ping yeah. and then the goal light. Just from a, a raw hockey fan yeah. kind of point of view, just having that happen, you're like, oh, there's nothing that goaltender could have ever done to stop that. Right. Because he got it into that perfect spot where just, the goaltender would have had to be literally standing like parallel to the po- like there was no way the goaltender would have been in that position to save that ever. I just love those. So much. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know what you're talking about. There's kind of that that sound and that feel, just seeing the net move, and um, it always it's always nice to see that. It's also nice, just nice when they go in. But um, Rene in that game, 33 saves on 34 shots. Um, we uh, we had an article this week that, that kind of talked about him playing really well. Really, that you know the Senators were for the most part they were attacking from all over. Um, really, the the areas of the ice that the Predators were allowing them to. He was able to stop, you know, some some pretty weak shooters like Cody Cece and Matt Pumple, but he was also stopping guys like, you know, Mark Stone, Eric Carlson. I'm, I'm sure some of those players aren't real. You <laughs> just made those names up. Matt Pumple's a real player. 
He's a real player. Tom Pyatt. How about that? There's another guy. So much familiar with him. Yeah. Kyle Turris. I mean, Kyle Turris is a great shooter. He scored the only goal in that game for the Senators. Um, he's he's probably one of the, the, the better shooters on their team. Beckerini did what he had to do. What what do you think about what do you think of his play in that game? After Ekholm's turnover, I believe in the first period of the game, that game could have been one nothing if not for Beckerini making that save. Very true. So I know this sort of got buried over the course of the week, but he really kept him in it. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. Um, so a complete win. Defense, goaltending, very up tempo offense, finishing, actually finishing on on those some of those goals. Special teams didn't have to do much because there wasn't much of involvement. They're, I think they had two power plays, didn't do anything with them, but so um. That, that got us feeling good. I mean, we recovered recovered from uh, the previous two overtime losses. And Thursday Thursday against the Blues. So my, my, my feelings on this, the Predators got a little, a little bit lucky in this game. On two, on really two fronts. Number one, the fact that Carter Hutton started in that career save percentage, 909. We know Carter Hutton. Great guy. Not the best. Super confident. Super confident. Extreme confidence, extreme, not extreme goaltending ability, and that's not going out on a limb. He's just not that good. There's no way around it. Um, luck factor number two. I mean, that first goal that Yarnkark scored. If you remember that Colin Wilson pass, just completely shanked off of uh, Bowmeister's skate and came right to Yarnkark. Wilson was not trying to get that to Yarnkark. He thought the Yarnkark was much further up the ice than he was, and it just happened to come to him, and he sent it on net and went in. Hey, that. That weird pass. I mean, because how, of how close it deflected from where Colin Wilson was. It's not that it, it went somewhere and then deflected. It's, it literally went from his stick, deflected almost immediately. Yeah. It just was. It's it's so much fun to watch it because <laughs> at first, if you just if it's when it happened in real time, I thought, what a ridiculous pass from Wilson. Yeah. And then the replay, I'm like, that was a really really good pass. And then I was watching the replay later, and I'm like. Oh, <laughs> that's never gonna happen again. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's no way to replicate that with any intent whatsoever. But I still love Colin Wilson, so it's fine. Yeah, no, like what you were saying earlier about that goal. You know, because hockey, hockey's a game of bounces, and it's about time that the Preds get some of those bounces. For sure, no, no doubt. It, it just, it's funny because you go from, holy crap, Wilson, what? That was an amazing pass. To, what were you even doing? How did you? Why did you do that? And why did it work? You know, it, so you go through this sort of battle, which is. To be honest, that's pretty much Colin Wilson right there in a nutshell. Uh, you go from wow, he, he's incredible to what are you even doing out there? Um, and I know you're a Wilson supporter there, uh, <laughs> like, but anyway, so so got a little bit of luck. But here's the thing: once you get that luck kind of rolling, then you 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 get a little bit more confident and you start to to roll it a little bit more. Um, Before we move on to the next goal, I do want to. Um... Call it one thing, because of course the Predators didn't score first in this one. It was um, Schwartz that scored mm-hmm. the first goal for the Blues, and I was so when I was going back watching highlight packages, getting my brain back up to speed, um, I wa- I literally watched the Terrace. So the tar- Terrace goal, I saw the Schwartz goal um, back to back, and they're actually for as different as the situations were. The way they were scored are actually very very similar, yeah, and it's yeah. something, something that that continues to concern me. It was a problem last year as well, so this may be a system thing. I'm not 100% sure yet because I'm you know, not far enough in. I want to see if it keeps happening. Uh, but these are guys who, uh, partially through their own work, got space in the ice, and no one really closed them down. They had defensemen who were staring them down, but they, they did not move to take away space. They didn't move to disrupt the play. 
these were opposing skaters who had a lot of space to do what they needed to do, and they had fairly clear looks at the net. Um, there may have been some. There was, I think, there was definitely some screening in the Schwartz goal, uh, a little bit less on the on the Terrace one. Um, so I continue. I, I saw that last year where the Predators were not always on the ball for closing down skaters, especially open skaters, which is yeah. something you don't really expect you, yeah. you kind of think that's going to happen by default so you know i saw that that was one of my big two concerns to come out of the, the blues game was when i saw that again uh i haven't seen that a ton so far this year so maybe i'm, I'm looking at a little, a little confirmation bias but I, i'm i'm watching for it now right right um the, be- the best example of what you're talking about last year i think the, and this was a, um, a talking point afterwards um in the against the washington capitals where, you know, Ovechkin is basically unimpeded in an area where he's literally scored hundreds of goals and the Predators don't close him down yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and, and he scores. So it, kind of similar to that in, in those two goals right there, yeah. The short goal is a bit more of a chaos-type goal, but I've noticed a lot this season, maybe just confirmation bias, but they're so focused on getting back out of the zone that they break that coverage down low and when the puck gets turned back over, the other guy has a clear shot on the net. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're just... That's the lobby let system at work. Um, now it's no excuse for playing poor defense. I, I might give him the Schwartz goal because that was such a it was a great pass from Tarasenko and Schwartz got it off immediately. I mean he wasn't there was very very little time to react in that situation. Hence why Rene got scored on on his glove side, no, no less. Um, I'm not trying to take away from I did I did right here. Uh, good shots where opponents find space. Yeah. So yeah, I don't want to be taking away anything from those guys, yeah. but I just. Last year, just I saw a lot of space, and I'm, I'm seeing. And maybe Mari, I think, has a great point with thing. You know, it's about the breakout. That could very well be yeah. the big reason, because um, I think that fits with, with why they're in weird positions. Um, but if it keeps biting you, you know, is there a way to correct for that a little bit? I mean, it's almost like that. I, I would think that Laviolette is probably just like take the good with the bad. That's kind of the, like that's a PK Subban approach. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have more turnovers, but you're going to have a lot more going forward. Yeah. yeah, if you sit there and watch a few of them, like when they're attempting to break out, the puck gets turned back over, and you'll see three or all the all the fours up the ice, and then maybe one defenseman, you know, back by the goalie. So right. You know, you've got two opposing forwards down low and one defenseman, and that's all you, that's all the coverage you have, which, mm-hmm. you know, I suppose should be enough. But. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking, of, speaking of breakouts, the next goal, the, the goal to put the Predators up 2-1, was the James Neal goal on the uh, a just really, really nice pass from Mike Ribeiro, uh, seeing him breaking in. Um, I don't want to take anything away from the, the Ribeiro pass. He, that's what he's here to do. Mike Ribeiro is here to make passes like that. That is exactly what he was what he was given $4 million to do, and he did it, and, and that's great. But I do want to say something about what Neal did, and what I think he always does well is he always anticipates the good pass. He always anticipates, like, when – he doesn't just anticipate that there's going to be a pass to him. He anticipates it's going to be in a good place. I don't think enough players do that. I think Forsberg does that. Um, Johansson does that. But, you know, some of these other guys who maybe want to become not, like, 10 goal scorers but, like, 20 goal scorers, thinking of, like, Yarncrow, you know, they anticipating the good pass, getting your, getting your blade in an area where once it gets there, if you know it's going to get there, you're going to have a good shot on goal. Because there's too many times when I know we've talked about this when players you know get passes and they they have to kind of readjust for a second 
And that little split second is what makes the difference in, in getting a save. It, it further helps in that the pass from Ribeiro was perfect. Yeah. Uh, you know, typically in that situation, Ribeiro's trying to get over sticks, trying to get over bodies. There's a little bit of height to it. He's trying to lob it over some things. In this case, they had enough lead on the trailing defensemen, the trailing uh, back checkers, that he could just he just slid it. I mean, it looked. I, I think that it was moving way faster than it looked on the screen because mm-hmm. it looked like it was just crawling across the ice, but it was just so perfectly flat that when Neil received it, he was in the exact right spot. He knew it was coming. And he, he could just fire it, didn't have to worry about settling it or wobbling or doing anything weird. I think Neil held off just a second on shooting the puck, waiting for her, waiting for Hutton to get down. If you watch him, he Hutton actually gets lower on the ice for Neil to shoot it over him. Mm-hmm. So just that split second of you know patience that maybe they've been lacking before. That's probably true, yeah. It, I just think that Neil um, does a really good job of, of really trusting that the puck is going to get to where it needs to. And too many players are just kind of concerned with getting their body in the right place, their positioning in the right place. And then once the puck is there, they'll figure it out. But it, it, there's more to it than that. Um, the third goal was Yarncroft, uh, the Yarncroft goal um, where he just, there's no luck there. I mean, his first goal might've been a little bit lucky, but that, that was just straight up, straight up wicked wrister, right? Right by uh, Hutton and, and by Colton Preco. That, that kid scores with his, his entire body. Like when he <laughs> takes a shot, his whole body, I, I'm just waiting for it to go flying in the net after the puck. Right. Exactly. Um, to me, in my book, Yarncroft gets the first star in that, in that game with two goals, 13 minutes. Um, but Rene probably gets the second one. To be honest, the, the Predators for the first, what, period and a half, maybe, maybe just the first period, didn't play great. I mean, the, uh, the I did not like the response after the Jaden Swartz goal to put the Blues up one nothing. They kind of it was a pretty tepid response. They didn't generate a whole lot of offense. Um, it wasn't until they got that little bit of luck from Yarncroke that that things really started to, to work. But the third period especially. So and and I mean the uh, the Blues ongoing bad luck helped a little bit as well because I mean they were they didn't stop firing any point during the game. I mean, they just went right. full bore for most of the entire thing. Just the Predators woke up and Pekka was huge. Right. Um, so before we move on from this game, sure. Uh, I looked at one thing. So I'm always I'm always curious what what the Predators fourth line is up to because they're just usually up to shenanigans. Um, so I just wanted to look at what their like five on five v five possession numbers were. For that I had it on my list to talk about lines right now. So you're, you're Do, right am, on, I, am I right on time? You are reading my mind. Okay, so correct me because because I, I first time I did this I actually had the wrong numbers. I crossed them out, so maybe I got it backwards. But um, for the five-on-five Corsi percentages, I have Watson at nine percent. <laughs> that's nine, right? Nine percent. Granted, that's at, yeah, that's out of the sum of a hundred. Normally, you're you know somewhere closer, but so that's nine percent. Sisson's at twelve. Oberg at twenty-three percent. Nine percent. That that means that. Nine. I don't know even know how to explain nine percent. I don't think I've ever seen for a guy who's actually out there playing real minutes. Nine yeah. percent. Is that one shot for and ten shots against? <laughs> that is. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Nine percent. That's really bad. Uh, the, the fourth line has. Um, you, you know. You guys have have talked about that a lot. Um, it's getting towards that point where the fourth line is. It's becoming more of a trend than it is just yeah. a, a, a blip. I mean, like even Austin Watson um, got called out last week or the week prior on Puck Daddy for being one of the, just the most like, like nothing happens when he's in the ice. Nothing really happens. Mm-hmm. There's nothing worth watching. So there's nine minutes and now you just nothing's happening. Yeah. It's, it's, when you have the instances like this where it's nine percent Corsi four. Yeah. 
the fourth line is being trotted out there in the defensive zone for just about every face-off. Mm-hmm. That's true. But no, so I mean, so were um, Gostad and Nystrom, and they never they weren't nine percent most nights. Well, my favorite thing was was Saturday's game when uh, the Bass Sissons Watson line got trotted out for an offensive zone faceoff, and what happened right after the puck drop? Cody Bass fight. And, and, and does, oh God, it doesn't help that these guys are actually. I mean, between Watson and Sissons, I mean, these are the two like statistically worst guys in the league. So. Even if there's equivalent guys getting similar minutes, which there are, other fourth liners getting deployed in the same same way, they're more successful by far. So, I mean, yeah, deployment's a big part of it. You're going to get outshot when you're always in your own zone. Mm-hmm. But we talked about it in the past, recent past. These guys, their job is to, you know, be defensive zone specialists, which involve getting the puck out of the zone. That's clearly not happening. I don't know if there was something about their minds that needs to change, but their, their job is to get the puck out of the zone and not merely to stop a goal from being scored, which I think is, what, yeah. especially with, say, Bass and Watson, that's what they think it is. My, yeah. my suspicion is, I, I, I mean, I believe in Colton Sissons. I do think that he's he's a, a fourth-line center for the for the team for the foreseeable future. I would I would really like to have seen what would have happened if, if Salamaki was still around, if it was or, um, Sissons, Salamaki, and insert other winger. Um, I, I do think the combination of Sissons and Watson is bad. Yeah, and, and, well, Salamaki, the thing that he brings is that he is a really good skater. He can get out of the zone. That's what he brings to that line, and that's what they're missing right now because Bass can't skate. Austin Watson can't skate. Sissons is trying hard. Uh, I mean, we, we've seen skate. him We've seen him skate. Yeah. I mean, we, we're going to talk about his shorthanded goal um, yeah. in the next game. He can skate and he can shoot. Uh, it's just he's saddled with really bad players. Yeah, I, I think uh, the reason I think that is because you know on on Saturday when the game was out of hand, Mike Ribeiro was all of a sudden on the fourth line, and a lot of people were like making jokes about Mike Ribeiro. That was that was not about Mike Ribeiro. That was about trying to get those fourth line guys some talent around them to see what happens because the game was out of hand. It was five nothing, and th- there you, you know we needed to be able to see all right if if Sissons and Watson had a player that can actually get them the puck and see if they could do things, what could happen. And I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I doubt it was any good. But, um, yeah, th- there's something about the lines right now that is uh, that's kind of interesting. You've got some you've got some stability. Obviously, the Wilson-Smith-Rivera line is pretty pretty stable. The Johansson and Neal are together, but, you know, you had a rotating. You put Forsberg on that line. You put Arvidsson on that line. You put Yarncark on that line. Um I, I, is this just how it's going to be? Are there going to be really only maybe one solid line, and then the rest is just kind of whatever Laviolette wants to go with that night? I mean, that's not a, that's not uncharacteristic for Laviolette. Um, I mean, he's he's said things like um, you know every every I don't I don't number the lines, and uh, he's had a history of running pairings instead of lines of three. Yeah. Um, so you have sort of plug and play guys. So I mean, it's it, I think it's fairly normal. Uh, we saw it last year. Uh, you know, when any player hits a hot streak, they'll just keep them together until that fades, and then they'll mix and match. It's a little bit of, I think you get a little bit of, oh, we move things around, and then this line gets hot, and it's like, oh, hey, they finally, all this shifting. It maybe would have happened if you had moved them around, uh, but, you know, it's certainly not hurting, maybe. Right. Um, but you need some consistency. I mean, I'm thinking of a guy like, um, like Forsberg. I mean, he's been shuffled around quite a bit. Um, I wonder if now he's going to stick with the line with the, the he was with Fisher and with Yarncroke. I don't know if that's necessarily going to stay, but 
you know, you wonder if a guy like Forsberg and maybe a guy like Rivero um, really needs more consistency in who they're paired with. I, I don't think someone like James Neal does. James Neal could probably play with anybody. Same thing with maybe Brian Johansson, which is interesting that they're together. But um, I don't know. There's, there's, It's just kind of interesting what's happening with the lines right now. There's not a lot of – there's not a ton of consistency from, from night to night, but in a way that's kind of consistent itself. I mean, that is a consistency that you're inconsistent. Yeah, might as well experiment with it this time of year. And, and if you have a collection of eight, nine skaters who are really comfortable mixing up lines at any moment to fit a situation – Always serves the team really well once injuries happen, once you're late in the season, people get tired. It turns out to be a benefit. It'll serve them well during the playoffs, especially with injuries and everything getting shuffled around with different circumstances. Yeah, that's a good point. So Saturday night um, against the Ducks, you know, the, obviously the scoreline was 5 nothing at the end. So you'd think, oh, this was a complete domination. But really, the, the first period really belonged to the Ducks. The Predators just could not do anything in the neutral ice. They couldn't get anything going in the offensive zone. Um, that late first period goal was just kind of came out of nowhere, where Forsberg just kind of saw, just just saw that pass. I don't know how, and, and Ryan Ellis saw the saw the opportunity as well and came down and just got just got that in under the uh, under the buzzer. Um, so that was the first goal. Then the second goal, the Neil goal right off the faceoff. Again, perhaps a little bit lucky. Hey, we'll take it. And um, but you you really got you've got to put shots on net on net against a goalie like John Gibson. John Gibson is not he's not a I mean he's an average goaltender. You've got to put shots on an average goaltender to make him be average. Yeah, and and you know, my my I've got two takeaways just off the top for this game. One, anytime you can go and look at the stats for a game and you see your team as a PDO of 114 you know the game was probably fun <laughs> yeah right um because you don't hit 114 without having a lot of fun or it was just like literally no shots for the entire game um the other thing is that yeah i mean anaheim was winning the, the corsi war but if you look at what actually hit the net the predators actually out actually got more pucks in the net than than the ducks did yeah that's a huge that can make a huge difference especially when peck is on the ball and you've got some questions in net for for the other side it was the Preds killed off Subban's double minor at the beginning of the second period. That was a weak Preds double minor. Took, the Preds just took over the game. Yeah, that was a total cha- game-changing moment. You're right. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I just had visions of, like, the, the like, I have bled more from biting my <laughs> lip than, than Corey Perry was bleeding from that high stick. Do, do I get that they have to, like, the rule says if a player is bleeding, you have to call it. But, I mean, Corey Perry could have just bit his lip and it would have been as, as believable. Like, seriously, like, if he just had some... If you just have chapped lips, I have chapped lip. I have chapped lips, and every once in a while, I'd be like, "Oh, is my lip bleeding?" All right, right. That I mean, yeah, I'm just not going to put chapstick on before playing a game of hockey because then I can maybe draw an extra two minutes. I mean, or, or you could, come on, you know, in, in your pain, you know, you you cover your mouth with your glove, which is kind of a coarse material. All of a sudden, you're bleeding. I'm not. I mean, we, we've all had terrible loofah accidents, I'm sure. I've had so many bad um, accidents. But I mean, granted, the universe ba- balanced things out, mm-hmm. and Corey Perry almost took, immediately took like a penalty. Uh, to sort yeah. of negate some time. So that was that was fun. Yeah, you got elbowed. Um, so we talked about shorthanded goals last week and that how the, the blame is really hard to place on just one person. Um, it requires an incredible individual effort, usually from penalty, penalty killers, and that's what Victor Arvidsson did. He, he made that goal happen. He fought. I can't even remember who the defender was or who the – who the, the which duck was even down there. It doesn't really matter. He, he beat him to the puck. He made a really – he saw Sissons coming down. I mean, it, 
it was pretty risky for assistance to come down that far. Usually you just have the one guy that's deep and everybody else is in the neutral zone. But he came down, saw it, got the puck, had a really clean finish. Um, so it's about time that the Predators got on the, that end of the shorthanded goal. Such, such a great sequence. And I, I don't know. No one probably had Victor Arvison pegged as all-around you know, PK specialist power play specialist, you know, five on five. Spe- yeah. And the guy's doing a little bit of everything and he's doing it all pretty well. Yeah. This week he helped a puck into the zone. He won a face off. He helped get a short handed goal. He was just doing work all week long. I saw him help some, help some old legs across the street at, at the end of the game. He was, uh, he was painting uh, a wall that was covered in graffiti. He was painting it, making the neighborhood look nice. He donated some blood, donated some platelets, should I go on? No, we're, let's let's stop with the donations while we're while we're at platelets. Um, but yeah, he's very much engaged in the games. Uh, no, but it's it's great. I mean, I've raved about this nonstop. But all of his weaknesses from last season, he clearly went and spent the entire summer working really hard to close his gaps, and it is showing in leaps and bounds. All that talent that, that the Predators drafted him for is coming through, and that's all through his hard work, which is such a nice story. Mm-hmm. And also, I love when a, when a Swede is successful for the Predators. Right, right. It, um, in the article I wrote on Friday about um, some, some things that worked in the two wins on Tuesday and Thursday, Victor Arvidsson was the best shot-generating forward, forward for the Predators in those two games. And that's in – I mean, we're talking about just raw numbers. He, got, he, had, he, he was out there for more shots-generated – in 13 minutes, then Ryan Johansson, then James Neal, then Forsberg. I mean, so quality, quality guys. And he was just getting done. And he does it through, like you said, it just just works hard in every aspect. He never quits on a play. Um, and it's just so much fun to watch. By the way, did you see the uh, did you see uh, Colton Sisson's celebration on that on that shorthand goal? Anybody catch that? I think it was a little bit of a nod to PK Subban. That is. Because he did a little bit of a, a little bit of an arrow thing. He kind of went down on one knee and did a little oh, bit yeah. of a bow and arrow kind of look, but then he stopped. I don't know. I guess no one else saw that. Yeah, I saw that. Some sort of arm gesture. He, just, he started going down, and I saw the replay again, and I was I was like, wait a minute. He just did the suit, but he didn't really. He sort of did it, and then he didn't do it. I don't know. I thought it was fun. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe there was a standing bet. You know, he has to do yeah. the celebration if he, if scores, he scores or something, yeah. like, that. Yeah, something like that. Now, hey, anytime, anytime the hockey team is having fun, and it means that people watching can have fun. I mean, that's that's what I'm all about. Speaking of having fun, Philip Forsberg scored. Oh, I, I was it just <laughs> me who said who just felt a sense of relief, not for myself, but I could feel it from Forsberg. Yeah, it was it was probably emanating to the entire town. Like yeah. literally, he scored a goal, and then all of a sudden, fall arrived. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we rain was on the forecast. The drought is going to be over. Uh, you know, no more fires. I mean, we you know we could all smell recording this on Sunday. We could all probably smell the, yeah. the smoke in, in in the air today all day. Uh, so it's Forsberg all that, is all that bad juju that's burning off of the city from Forsberg's drought. Yeah, the, it, it, the rain is coming, um, and and this is a positive thing opposed to a negative. Thing. Yeah, no, I I, I totally get away agree from with me you. in the end. I totally agree with you that. I felt an, an instant sense of relief, especially because I mean it was a nice it was a nice goal. I mean he really he ripped that thing. Was that still Gibson in that, or was that okay? And then yeah. after that is when they switched to Reimer, Bernier. Oh, Bernier, sorry. Hey, hey, Bernier, Reimer. Who else is a, I mean, who else is part of the goalie shuffle? Former Leafs goalies. Let's go. Um, Bernier and Reimer were definitely big big shufflers. Um, Gustafson. 
Oh yeah. Um, I, I don't know where he went at this point. Um, I, really I mean, yeah, there's 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 a few goaltenders who keep getting shuffled around. I always forget where they are uh-huh. at any given moment. Um, okay, so Forsberg scored. And we knew he wouldn't go scoreless. He's still probably going to be a 30-goal scorer, and that just makes you really excited for the rest of the way. Um, last year, um, I actually heard um, the radio guys talking about this after the game. He only had 14 goals at All-Star break last year, and he scored 19 after that. So he, he has a tendency to be this kind of late-season kind of guy. I saw a stat on Twitter earlier today. I'm not sure if it's accurate or not, but they said that he only had two goals through 20 games last season. That sounds right. So this sort of start, it shouldn't really be that yeah. shocking. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it is just, like, I I think it was funny. So people are like, oh, Philip Hort's a very streaky scorer. I'm like, no. Once he starts scoring, he scores a lot, but it takes him a while to get going. I mean, he's he pretty consistent. Already, he's leading the team in points, so it's all yeah. not working out there. Yeah. Uh, I, will, the, um, I was just harping the fourth line. They actually had a good game against Anaheim. They held their own. I think, and this is this is my, my supposition. I'd be curious what, you, what your insights are. Um, because the guys who really were suffering, struggling in the game, were guys like Craig Smith and Colin Wilson was struggling a little bit, and Callie Yarncroke. It, 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 it's almost like going into that game, you know, Carolina's guys looked at tape, said, "Hey, these are the guys who actually are active for the Predators right now. These are the guys who are struggling. They're not getting points, and you know, they're not getting goals. So let's focus on shutting down guys like Craig Smith and Callie Yarncroke, who are really hot right now. And fortunately for the Predators, right." The guys who are known for scoring woke up. I mean, granted, not that James Neal was sleeping. I mean, he already he'd been scoring left yeah. and right. Um, but it, I, I just feel like tactically, maybe the you know Laviolette had a bit of an advantage, just because Carlisle was busy shutting down a few guys who typically don't struggle in terms of getting pucks in the net and, and creating offense, um, and just got got a little bit outplayed because the rest of the Predators woke up and just went at it. Right. Um, the fifth goal was a. Really, one of the few garbage goals we've seen. I mean, uh, where where James Neal just kind of pounced on a, a loose puck in front after after Yossi shot it. I think um, rebound comes to the front. Neal is right there, which is really not a usual goal for for James Neal to have five on five, kind of right there in front in traffic. Kind of he's usually shooting those from from the wing. Um, but you know, hey, that's that's what a goal scorer does. He's in the right place at the right time. So um, found a loose puck, roots at home. And then Pecorino gets the shutout. He had 34. No, that's not right. How many saves did he have? I just he had a lot. He had a significant number of saves. He had so many saves. How <laughs> many saves? He had 27 saves. That's had a lot of power play shots. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. He did. That was pretty unnerving for quite some time. Yeah, the uh, one quick thing so on that, the penalty kill. Are things better? Are things... The same, uh, same-ish. The yeah. penalty kill has not given up a goal at home, I don't think, at all. That's but impressive. Honestly, the penalty kill percentage has been bad, but right. the Predators don't take many penalties to begin with. That's, that's very true. So that's just two things. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I just thought about it. I mean, penalty kill is one of those things that it's, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. It's like power play. There's not a lot of time for you to really judge on how things look, but... You know, there are some things that work well. Uh, I think their new strategy this year of of rolling out more skilled players. You've got um, Arvidsson and Sissons going out there. You've got Forsberg and Yarncrook. Those sort of pairings, as opposed to trotting out Gossett and Nystrom, provide a little bit more. Do we want to open up the can about there's no Shea Weber on the PK? Why? (laughs) 
I want to, I want to, in the break, I want to, I'm going to pull up his numbers on the, in uh, Montreal and see if he's doing any time on the PK up there. So, so two final notes in the Anaheim game. Okay. Um, so one, I, I think Cam Fowler, he's just so, he's so sneaky good. Can he is do, very I mean, good. I, I just want to like give him a little bit of a shout out because, you know, you know the name, it's, it's a name that resonates in hockey, but being out in California, you don't see him as much, you know, very late games. He has some fantastic players in the course of that game. Um, really underrated kind of guy. And I say that knowing that he's recognized as a lean defenseman. I still right. don't think he gets enough credit. And then uh, were you guys at the game? Were you on? Okay. So, so, okay. Yeah, you were there. Were you, Mario, were you watching the Predators broadcast or did you have the other pecked in from, from the, one of the other feeds? Oh, yeah, the Anaheim broadcast. Okay. So you didn't get the, the utter joy of Stu Grimson in, in form. Uh, Jacob Silverberg. <laughs> he went with Jacob. Now, there's there's a lot of ways. You could go with Jacob, you know, just completely cut out the, form, the the European. You go with Jacob. Or you could go with, the, you know, like with Jacob or something like that. You know, try to get a little closer. He went with Jacob, which is so far from being right. And then he, he doesn't even try to get Silverberg. He just goes Silverberg. So it's Jacob Silverberg. Like, really? Could you try any less? Uh, I'm just I'm just glad that he got a couple fights this week so he has something to talk about and sound important because man that was frustrating because he he kept it up. Just say the guy's last name. Right. Don't even have to say his first name. We all know who Silverberg Silverberg is. You know however he ends up deciding to say it. But Jacob, it's um, too much. On Cam Fowler, he's on a he's on a great deal too. I mean he's uh, four million dollars a year and he signed through 2018. Um, he's been he's been a, a very he's only twenty he's twenty four he's twenty four years old. Wow, so I've heard a lot of rumors about him getting moved, especially because of the Lindholm and Raquel deals. So he could get a haul for him. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, but you know, obviously they signed Lindholm, but so they don't have to do that anymore. But what was Lindholm? What Lindholm was more than four, right? He was was he five a year? I can't even remember. I pulled up, but anyways, it doesn't matter. But Yes, I completely agree with you. Cam Fowler, fantastic defenseman um, for the Ducks, and uh, it's that much better that the Predators beat them five nothing. So, um, when we uh, we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break, um, and uh, when we come back, we're gonna I want to talk just briefly about Pecorino, and then we're gonna kind of go around the, around the league um, and talk about uh, some other stuff that's happening. Uh, there's all these other games being played, and we haven't talked about any of them, so we're just gonna do a little bit of a run through on some other things. Uh, then we'll answer some of your Twitter questions, and uh, then we'll be uh, we'll be out of here. So uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be right back. These days, you need to partner current and latest website design standards, one that also provides quality support services like hosting, email, e-commerce, CMS, and more. And you need a partner experienced in online branding and marketing, like social media, search engine marketing, rich media, and email marketing. You need a partner that knows how to market your company in today's age of advertising. You need LionZone. Their professional staff and partners have the know-how, creativity, and experience to help you reach your marketing goals. Contact them today for a free consultation at 615-353-0402. That number again is 615-353-0402. Or you can reach them on their website at www.lionzone.com. Lion Zone, Nashville's leading internet marketing agency since 1999. All it took was a special look. 
and welcome back. Uh, we are ready to talk a little bit about, um, well, a few things. We've got, First, I want to talk about Pecorine. Um, he is uh, really having a great start to this season. Just a few numbers for you, and then I want to get your guys' take on uh, Pecorine so far. Five on five, he has a 942 save percentage. That's in, in what, 12 games that he has? Um, that's good for seventh in the league among regular starters. Um, his overall save percentage is at 930, which is eighth in the league um, among, among regular starters. Um, so all of a sudden, he's kind of in that conversation with guys like uh, Devin Dubnik, Corey Schneider, Braden Holtby. Uh, not Braden Holtby of last year, but Braden Holtby of this year. And uh, he's still not to, you know, even Corey Crawford or Carey Price. Tuka Rask is having a great season so far. But it's pretty incredible what the Predators have gotten out of him just in the first 12 games. Um, what are you guys seeing? Does this surprise you, or are you, um, you know, are you just waiting for the other shoe to drop, or where are you with Pecorine right now? I don't think he's going to keep playing like he has been, because those numbers are very, very high. But he has been keeping the Preds in games. Some of them might be a little inflated. That 42 um, save game against the LA Kings, for example. But overall, I mean, he's played very, very well, and you know, he's directly contributed to all these wins this past week. Like if he hadn't been able to play as well as he had, they wouldn't have won any of those games. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, I I think um, it's hard to complain about the results. Uh, you know, he's been pretty on the ball. Uh, not a lot to worry about bailing out the team. Uh, the knock that people will throw against him is, oh, hey, his high-danger scoring chances aren't great. Uh, yeah, sure, true. Yeah. The the condition I'm, I, I'm throwing on that right now that I'm, that I'm thinking a lot about is, well, the Predators are really good at limiting high-danger scoring chances, so maybe the ones that are getting through are really, really good shots that no one's going to save. That's a great point. Uh, yeah, I, so I'm, uh, that's what I'm starting to think. Like, you know, maybe it's inflated because he's not seeing a ton of them, and the ones he's seeing, he's actually not seeing because he's screened or, uh, you know, it's a really weird shot or something like that. In other words, if you could parse out those high-danger shots, shot attempts or high-danger shots into extreme high-danger and high-danger the Predators are good at stopping the high-danger ones and maybe not so good at stopping the extreme high-danger. We don't have the uh, capability or technology to do that. But Yeah, we're not quite there yet. And he certainly saved his share of those this past week. He had a great stop on Corey Perry, had a save on Bobby Ryan. Mm-hmm. So when he can see the shot, he does seem to be stopping it more often. That's a great point. And here's the thing with goalies. is, is And this is not just something that, that we struggle with as uh, as Predator fans, as uh, fans of, of a certain area of the country, but all over, you know, quantifying goalie play is really difficult to do because it is such a different position from the rest of the game. Um, uh, so much of it just seems to be confidence and, and um, just sort of your sort of informness, you know, where you are right now as, as, a, as a goalkeeper, your, your technique and stuff really just doesn't change. I mean, you, you, once you've made it into this league as a, as a goalie, like you're pretty much playing a certain way. Now, if you try to change that, like uh, Frederick Anderson in Toronto, who's trying to play a completely different game than he has been recently, uh, things go bad. But, you know, for the most part, you know, you're uh, as a goalie, you you have your sort of style, you have your technique, and then it's just all about, you know, can you can you maintain your mental capacity to, to you know, maybe give up a goal here and there, but play through it and, and be fine. So much of it is just the eye test and what you can see. I know what I've seen has been much better than what we've seen over the past few years. Yeah, and and it's just going to come down to um, working with the defense because 
you know, I, I'm only half convinced that the high danger thing is just because they're really, really good shots against. That's sort of the best case scenario because Peck is, I think, the bottom five or six in the league uh, with guys who you don't want to be around uh, in, in terms of numbers. But when it comes to the low, the mid, I mean, Peck is like, he's, no one can, he's the best. Like, he is in the top echelon of those. Uh, so I think there's still, that's the big area of concern. Um, but again, it's really hard for teams even now to quantify what a high danger scoring chance is. Mm-hmm. Well, you can look at it post after the fact and say, that was high danger. Yeah. But how do you go out and say, hey, you need to make sure you're getting some high danger chances out there. It's like, what, yeah. the, what the hell does that mean? Right, right. It's really, it's really tough to quantify. But in, anyways, I think we can all agree that, you know, what we've gotten so far, what, what, what the team has really gotten out of him at this point is, is pretty, you can't really ask for much more. So good on Pecorine. Keep it up. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll be talking more about this and, uh, and, and possibly even some, uh, some all-star consideration. Who knows? Maybe it'll get that good. Um, let's see. Let, let's go around the league. Uh, we're going to talk about some, some other teams for just a little bit. Um, let's start in the Metro division. Uh, just to give you kind of a, a quick rundown. The Rangers sit at the top. Now, this is right now. This isn't including any games that have been played today. But uh, the Rangers sit on top. They've got 22 points. The Penguins are right there also with 22 points. Both have uh, 11 and 10 wins so far. Um, the Rangers are pretty much riding high. I mean, they've got a lot a lot going on there uh, in the – I think they lead the league in scoring. I think yeah, they've got like a plus, what are they, a uh, plus 27 goal differential? They're the top scoring team with 62 goals in 15 games. That's, That's over four like a game. That's 14% shooting percentage. It's crazy. So, yeah, they are, they are, no, actually they're only shooting at 12, 13, about 13%, yeah. Is that That's a 5-on-5. 5 on 5, five, on five. Okay. It's not. Yeah, it's not getting power play. But uh, definitely not something that we're going to continue. Probably not. I mean, granted, the, I mean they're only they're at nine two for save percentage, nine two two roughly, which I mean it's Lindquist. Um, he was struggling a lot to start the season. He's very much settled down very quickly, gotten back to his Lundqvist ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, granted, with, with a, the bit of the lead they've gotten now, and, and it's not huge. It's pretty. It's really early in the season. Um, but you know, they've got a little bit of wiggle room where I didn't think going into the season they were going to have much of of um, you know too much space to play around. They had they had to be on the ball. Um, with where they were, but you know, now they if, if they come back down to you know a seven percent shooting percentage and get the same Lundqvist goaltending, they're actually probably a playoff team now. Yeah, the the Blue Jackets are the helter skelter team where they score eight goals one night and then can't do anything the next night. Well, I mean that's just that's hockey being random. I mean everyone's like, oh, they put up ten billion. It's like no, whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah, the past two games they've scored twenty one goals. Like, that's insane. Yeah, that's yeah. not like Tortorella being like, and like I did that. Yeah, that's that's me. That's, that's I, like he walks into the locker room, like flexes, and then like walks out, like oh, we're inspired. <laughs> it's not really how things and that's work. What, uh, you know, Seth Jones is not, is out for a few weeks, so they they won't have them to. Like the whole the whole brouhaha around the ten goals and the seven goals and everything for the Blue Jackets just drives me nuts because people just they. Okay, I get it. it's it's a lot of fun and it's silly. Look, all these goals they're scoring. But there's th- that talent gap. The, there's such parity in the NHL that those talent gaps don't exist. This is not, uh, you know, when when you watch like the women's Olympic hockey, where you have you know the dominant teams from Canada and the United States playing the, the Chinese team, uh, who are coming in just you know and it's fourteen to zero. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you don't have that in the NHL. The, the, all the teams are way, way tighter because of the salary cap, the salary floor, all those things to prevent that from happening. So when it does happen, it's just serendipity. Yeah, no team in the NHL is 10 to nothing goals better than any other team. It's like some of the wins last year, the Preds, you know, 7 nothing, 7 5. Like the Preds are not that good. Mm-hmm. But it's just, you know, something fun to watch. Now, unlike on the Philadelphia Flyers, where the. <laughs> Talent level changes from the forward end of the ice to the defensive end of the ice because the Flyers are fourth, fifth in the league in scoring goals, 29th in allowing them. Um, well, they have yeah. they have they have Andrew McDonald, so that's that's why. <laughs> um, though I have to say, uh, our uh, former friend here in Nashville, Michael Dozato, is having a fantastic season. I mean, he was yeah. good last year. This year, he's on the ball. I mean, he's finally found a home. He's settled in. Uh, he, he's sort of getting to run the defense a little bit his way, uh, and it's showing. Uh, you know, of course, a little bias here. The, the Flyers are performing about as well as I expected them to, which which is nice. So there's no pressure. They can just go out and have fun and have a nice time. And if but, the goaltenders could stop anything, that'd be great. But Steve Mason's a better goaltender than he's been so far this year. Uh, he has been in Philadelphia. He certainly was not in Columbus. No. Except for that one season, he was a disaster in Columbus. <clears throat> and he's been really good in Philadelphia. So... Where's the real Steve Mason? It's hard to say because he's been all over the place. And, and Norvirth, I think, is hurt now. Yeah, got injured. Uh, so that's not helpful, though he wasn't playing that great either. But you've got three guys in the top 15 in scoring with Giroux, Voracek, and Simmons. You've got to win more games. Yeah, but it's the, you, have you looked at the defensive line? Yeah. It's a bunch of kids and Andrew McDonald. Yeah. Brandon Manning is good. Yeah, there's a lot of good people. But they're kids. I mean, this team is going to be really good, assuming that their goaltending stabilizes. It's going to be really, really good in just a couple years. They're not trying to win a Stanley Cup this year. They're trying to get guys experience, get people minutes, uh, play really good hockey, you know, worry a little bit about what happens with Drew and, and some of the other, the, the more senior players in the team. But yeah. they're following their game plan. Their games are fun to watch. They are. That's the point. That's what I was looking for. You I mean, go Very back and listen to the show. I, when I was previous, I want the Flyers are going to be fun to watch. They're yeah. not going to win a Stanley Cup, but they're fun to watch. It doesn't matter how many goals you score. If your goaltenders are giving you a sub-900 save percentage every night, yeah. you're just not going to win the main game. Right? I mean, just look at the St. Louis Blues. There you go. Exactly. Uh, the only other team we didn't talk about, well, we didn't talk about all of them, but Capitals are <laughs> Capitals are uh, the Capitals. They're they're sitting there in third, just, just pretty much in, in a fine position. And I think the Capitals are... Still going to be a very good team. Yeah. Um, moving over to the Atlantic, at the sitting at the top of the Atlantic and the top of the entire uh, league right now are the Montreal Canadiens, 13-1-1, 27 points. Our old friends, Shea Weber, Alex Radulov, getting in the mix. Um, but they've still got their, their really good core players like Alex Galchenyuk, who I really like, and they've got Carey Price, of course. Um I mean, that team is pretty dang good right now, and there's no way around it. However, is there are there cracks in that armor? I mean, there's for the Canes, I don't know about their depth all the time. Um, I mean, granted, I mean, they, they, they went out, and in this summer, they got exactly what they wanted to add to the team, and that was a big, powerful, state-making defenseman. Someone who's going to kind of sit down, grindstone-type guy. Um, and Sherwood's been exactly that guy for them in addition to his, his, his ability on the power play. So I, I think adding those elements in with a healthy carry price with guys like, Gal- I'm not even going to try. Can, I've never been able to say his name right. Gal- 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 Galchenyuk. Galchenyuk. Like I said, I've never been able to say I his name right. Um, and Pat, you know, Patchy Reddy, 
you have a lot of really great pieces. Um, and I, I don't think, I mean, 13 and one is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That's any day now that's going to come. I don't think they're going to go on like a 10 game losing streak, but you know, they're going to start you know, losing Which is what they did last year. Well, something like it. Well, that was also when Kerry Price got yeah, hurt. Right. So, I mean, maybe they're going to stop drop, start dropping games here or there. The Atlantic as a whole, I find very frustrating right now because Ottawa, Boston, I mean, these are, these are teams who are significantly, well, I mean, Ottawa's never better, but, um, <laughs> you know, Boston's worse than they were last year, worse than they've been in years. And the teams that were supposed to challenge, Grant, or, you know, Tampa and Florida are not that far behind, uh, but certainly not in playoff spots right now. I think wait, Tampa's in the second wildcard spot right now, but mm-hmm. doesn't really matter too much. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of movement in Atlantic to come. Uh, Montreal obviously out there, huge lead. They can just try and preserve that now, but I, I cannot see Ottawa and, and Boston staying up where they are. It just... They're going to have to come tumbling down. The Bruins are getting some some great play out of out of guys like David Pasternak, who has ten goals. And uh, you know, for all the for all the crap that Boston gets for trading away all this skill, I mean, Tyler Sagan, Lucic, Phil Kessel, Joe Thornton, they've got. I mean, they've stuff. Yeah, that's a pretty crazy list. Uh, they've done pretty well with guys like Pasternak, Bergeron, Marchand, Tukarask. I mean, they, they've they've done well. Um, I, I agree with you, though. I don't think that they're necessarily going to be a, a long-term team. I think when playoffs roll around, they're going to be looking, watching the playoffs and not in it. Um, other other teams in this in this division, um, other teams in this division, uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if they've made the switch yet. I guess they kind of have to with uh, Ben Bishop because um, he wasn't good early on. Um, I, I'm kind of like with the Capitals in the Metro. I think I think Lightning by the end of the year will be in fine position and ready to play in the playoffs. Um, the Red Wings, Red Wings have surprised me because I, I picked them to finish dead last in the Atlantic, and they are definitely not that. They're playing like they should be in dead last. <laughs> they're getting they're getting some some good luck, I think. Yeah. Um, any thoughts on the Atlantic? Uh, Panthers, Maple Leafs, any of those any of those players or any of those players, any of those teams. Can, are they going to surprise anybody? Are the Maple Leafs for real? No. The Maple Leafs are worse than I thought they would be, frankly. I figured with that that they'd be able to scrape out more wins than they have managed, but they have not. Um, I think as long as Carey Price is healthy, the Canadians should be where they are. They might regress a little bit if his save percentage goes down, but you know they're a good team. They've got two really good scoring lines. Like Link said, this um, past summer they went out and got exactly what they needed, solidified their defense, and added some more scoring. So they're, they're just a good team. I think they'll finish first. There you go. Um, all right, let's move to the Pacific. We'll do the Central last. In the Pacific, those Oilers, those crazy Oilers, with all their young players, sitting at the top, at, at the top of the Pacific, 9-5-1, and one, 19, 19 points. Sharks right behind them at 18. Uh, Ducks, who we just saw last night, at 17 points. Looking at this, I still think the Sharks are going to pull away and win that division pretty pretty easily, actually. And mostly because you know players, uh, teams like the the Kings and the Ducks and the and really for me the Flames are just not not really going to do it. The Oilers, I just don't know. I, I don't know what to think of the Oilers. I don't think that their depth is necessarily there. Their defense is questionable. Cam Talbot's good, but um, you know when you've got arguably one of the better players in the league and Connor McDavid, you're always in a game. So and it also helps. I mean, it, one of the biggest problems with Edmonton has been really consistent quality goaltending. I mean, Ken Talbot through the season, you know. It, you know, nine point, like basically, basically, I'm just round up. It's a nine two. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, I, 
whatever. But yeah, I, they haven't had that, and that's been pretty consistent throughout the season. I think he's played like um, a ridiculous. He's played 14 games. 14 games. It's a lot. Uh, so he's going to need rest. So it's going to be on the backup to, to carry something. I don't even know who the end of the backup is. I think it's Gunnarsson. Was that the Cubs backup yeah, goaltender? <laughs> Gustafson? Uh, yeah, it's, it is Gustafson. There, we found we found Jonas Gustafson. Is, is Gunnarsson? He's our backup in Milwaukee. Okay, that's right. There you go. So, yeah, no, I agree with you. I, Talbot, Talbot, fine goalie, but they, they're they going to need to have someone else that, that steps in and plays those every few games. To me, I think their defense is not. I mean, Sakira Larson, who has been really not as good as even he wasn't in, in New Jersey, and he was kind of overrated there. Darnell Nurse, Clef Bomb. I mean, these guys are. They're just. They're not. They're not going to take over a game. Well, there's a lot of guys who have not. Who have fallen short of of the hype and fallen short of the potential. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, if if there's any regression, you know, if Camp Talbot doesn't turn out to be a nine two, ninety percent saving goaltender. Yeah, that's going to start leaking in a few extra goals, going to put a little bit more pressure on. Uh, they're definitely not a, a Canadians or New York who've got plus double-digit goal differential leads. Right. I think the Oilers are for real in the sense that I think they're going to make the playoffs just from having watched them play enough this season. Um, they've had a complete culture change over the summer, you know, getting players like Lucic, where they don't sort of accept the fact that they're going to be terrible every night. Mm-hmm. And so they come in and expect and put into work every single night to win. So, and I think that's definitely shown on the ice. Right, right. Um, I still think that the uh, I, I'm am also a little bit surprised that the Coyotes are this bad. Uh, I I thought that they would be a little better. They they've got they've got some really good great young talent and some players that I would love to have on the Predators. But you know, when you're relying on Mike Smith and then Louis Domingue, <laughs> they're playing a different game. Arizona's playing a different game. They're they're not even trying to be competitive. I mean, yeah. look at the deals they made yeah. over the past uh, eight, six, eight months. They're not they're not building a winning hockey team. They're they're gaming the system, and it's going to be a probably a big nightmare at the next CBA negotiations. I mean, it, I think I'm going to pre say that part of the reason there's going to be a lockout at the next CBA negotiations is because of all the stuff that Arizona is doing right now. They are just gaming the system in every way possible, perfectly legal things that are legal according to the rules, mm-hmm. but they are finding every loophole. Do you mean with the, with, with, the with arena stuff? Ma- well, not with the arena stuff, with the way they're managing contracts and okay. the things they're, and the trades they're making. They're not they're not trying to build a competitive hockey team right now. Mm. Now, they're trying to set themselves up for a successful future, but they're gaming the hell out of the system right now in order to get there. So, I mean, they're rebuilding in a way that I don't think Bettman or the, you know, the league ever thought was possible. When the league thinks about rebuilding, they think about the Oilers, they think about uh, Buffalo – they don't think about a team saddling themselves with nightmare contracts so they can reach the floor while not, not actually paying guys to, the, the, to like the guys in the ice don't hit the cap floor. Right. It's the bogus contracts they've taken on for players who are injured and working for the league. And pa- Pavel Datsuk and yeah, Russia. like all these goofy contracts. It's gonna. It, so yeah, I mean, it's fun to kind of watch from a business perspective, but I mean, when the league shuts down for however many months to renegotiate the CBA, just Point your finger at Arizona and say, hey, I mean, they found a loophole and, and the I'm NHL is going to smack it down, I think. I'm not too minds about that. Yeah, you're right that that's sort of not how the NHL expected those sort of things to go. Think how useful it has been to be able to stuff those contracts into Arizona. So instead of having Detroit crippled by Datsuk's retirement contract, they can you know keep on keeping on while Phoenix like doesn't pay him that money. 
Right. I think they serve a purpose. Oh, uh, they definitely definitely serves a purpose. That's what like they wouldn't be doing it if, if it didn't work, it didn't help, if you weren't getting what they needed. But I mean, if if an organization signs a contract, like Detroit signed a contract with Datsuk, and Datsuk decides to bolt to Russia, and they're like, well, now you know that's going to hurt our ability to compete and all these things, and so they can just shuffle it off to a team that doesn't care about competing, which is totally against what the NHL is trying to achieve with parity with the whole cap ceiling cap floor. So I think what you're saying is that Arizona is kind of like one of those 24 hour fast cash check cashing places that, uh, yeah, they have a purpose, but they're really, really bad for you in the long run. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, yeah, watching them, you're both kind of awed by the genius behind what they're doing, but it's also a little bit unnerving mm-hmm. to see that like all, like if, if the players who are on that, they have, they own contracts for actually played, they'd be a better team. Yeah. Like if you I, I, not not thinking that Pronger would still be an effective defenseman, that contract was he was never going to see that out. But I mean, just imagine Pavel Datsuk, you know, on on the Coyotes. All of a sudden, they're a lot better because they have a better penalty kill and better, you know. But there's no no intent to do that. It's just the whole thing is frustrating and incredible, and I can't wait to see what happens with the Coyotes next because I think that they're poised to achieve some really amazing things. Hmm. Um, granted, they may burn half the CBA behind them. But that's 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 future hockey's problem. I would still love to have Oliver ekman Larson, and I would love to have Max Domi. So would I. <laughs> so would I. Uh, let's talk about the Central. Um, we've got some interesting things happening in the Central right now. I think the the Blackhawks are the cream of the crop. They've got 22 points, 10-3 and two. Corey Crawford to me is the Vezina Trophy candidate to 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 lose. He, it's his to lose at this point. He's been incredible. Um, he has like a 972 5-on-5 five five save percentage, which is insane. Um, he'll hook him down a little bit, but he's still great. And I don't think it, he's really probably – he's probably playing the best hockey he's ever played, to be honest. Um, and the Blackhawks are, as we expected, to, you know, for three, four, five, six years now, just continually plug in those players and play a type of game that just makes perfect sense and always works and wins games. The caveat, the, the asterisks that I will put on, on Chicago's Central Division leading point totals right now is that the rest of the Central, for the most part, has been really underperforming. Uh, I mean, the Predators in Dallas were supposed to be a lot better. Um, everyone anticipated it, and they have just been messes. I mean, the Predators are turning it around. Dallas, not so much. They're just clinging to the 500-type type deal. Um, so I just wonder, you know, as... If Dallas gets their feet underneath them, as Nashville continues to get their feet underneath them, they're going to start challenging Chicago more. We already saw the Predators beat Chicago. We know they can do it. Mm-hmm. We've seen them do it plenty of times. This Chicago team isn't as good as it has been the past few years. So I, I don't necessarily see them holding that number one spot. I think they get some challengers. Um, it, it's still early enough in the season that you know maybe some guys can get up there uh, and maybe Chicago starts dropping a few games. But I, I think they're going to see some pressure. Uh I don't think Crawford continues. I mean, he's, he's, he's a good goaltender. I don't think he's going to keep up those numbers. Um, I think Carey Price probably is a better chance getting the Vesna, um, given how things are going. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Chicago and Chicago, they're, gonna be in the, they're probably going to be in the top three at this point with how they've been going. Yeah, Chicago's not as good as their record is. Uh, Crawford has had an ungodly state percentage this year. He probably deserved the Vesna last year before he got injured. Um, and they, they're rolling basically three lines. Uh, Patrick Kane has... 23 or 24 minutes of time on ice average. It's just absurd. They don't have really have the scoring to keep up where they are, and it's mostly because the rest of the Central has been underperforming, but they're able to stay where they are. 
speaking of the rest of the Central, the Blues are Blues are at 17, the Jets are at 17, Wild Preds and Stars all at 15, and then you've got the Avalanche at 12. Points, all that that was points by the way, not wins. Um, so Blues at Blues and Jets, I, I you know I said this whenever they when they drafted Patrick Laine that he makes them in- instantly competitive, and you know he's leading the league in goals right now. Uh, Patrick Laine, Mark Scheifele, that you know those two players right there make the Jets dangerous. The rest of the team doesn't necessarily make them dangerous. So uh, they have a lot of nice. I mean, they have a lot of decent pieces. A lot of guys who are ignored. I mean, Brian Little type players who yeah. have consistently put in good efforts and get good results. They fix their goaltending problem in a lot of ways. Um, I'm not saying Helio Buck is some savior, but he's certainly better than than. Um, Pavlich. Um, I was trying to say his like first. I was trying to merge his first name and last name into yeah, one word. Right. I'm like, that's not right. Uh, so I mean, they've made some small incremental improvements. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they're they're kind of they're performing how I wanted them to perform. Looking at the start of the season, uh, hopefully they continue. It's kind of it's nice to see teams be competitive in different ways. Um, I mean, the Jets, as much as I dislike most everything they are, um, it's still fun to see them do something. Um, a little bit of my heart goes out to the former, you know, Atlanta team. So I kind of want to see the vestiges of the guys from Atlanta who are still there be successful somewhere. Except um, for Dustin Bufflin. I have, what do we have against Dustin Bufflin? I don't like it. Okay, that's fair, I guess. <laughs> the uh, Jets have six hat tricks since relocation, and Patrick Lanning has two of them. There you go. So, sort of in, in, in like two weeks, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, what do you make of the Blues? So, I mean, obviously we saw we saw them on Thursday. Um, are they a, are they a mess or are they just struggling right now? Or they just are, can't score. Well, the, I, I think the scoring. I think I mean they're only at like a six percent shooting percentage, roughly below six percent, which is rough, but it's not horrendous. It probably they're probably also probably not taking enough shots. They've been held to one or fewer goals eight times a season, and they've had, like, two goals against a Calgary where they scored six, which might be inflating that 6% shooting percentage. It's been pretty brutal. I mean, my main concern with them is really more on the other side of the ice. I mean, they had a really strong goaltending duo for years, and then they decided, enough of that. Yeah. Let's see if we can make it a living nightmare. Yeah. Um, you, you bring in <laughs> Carter Hutt to be your backup solving a problem that, you know, the answer to a problem that you created was Carter Hutton, who's widely known for being one of the worst backups in the league, statistically. I don't know how you look at him and say, that's the guy we need, unless you thought Allen was going to be lights out, which, granted, he's been worse this season than he has been in the past, but he was never the clear number one at any point. Right. Granted, no one's given the opportunity to be the clear number one, but Elliot was... Definitely, the, probably the more talented of the two. Definitely. It wasn't exactly 1A, 1B, like a lot of people thought it was. Yeah, yeah. It was... Sorry, I was trying to think of something like 1A-ish and 2C. 2.1. Was it, was it, was it, it was like 1A, 1C, 1D? Yeah, that makes sense. 1A, 1D. There we go. I think we got there in the end. But, okay. I, like, I, I still... It blows my mind. That's If, if they had league average goaltending, they might have scraped out a few more one-goal wins. But instead... They can't get anything done on the offensive zone, and they have no reliance on anything happening in, in, in net. So congratulations on being third in the central because Dallas is has a similar problem with their goaltending and their defense. And 
the Predators are still trying to figure out what sport they're playing, and they seem to have figured out it's hockey in the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So now that's going to really threaten the Blues. Yeah, the, the trending lines are definitely interesting here. A lot of these teams are kind of around the same point, point totals, but the, the trend lines are definitely going up for the Predators. Wild, maybe kind of stabilizing, maybe trending towards yeah, what's down. Up with the, what's up with the Wild anyways? Well, I mean, they, they, it's just the usual. I mean, they, you haven't missed much. They've pretty much been playing the same type of hockey. But their goal differential is really good. And they're getting some because of, getting... because of Dubnik and their defense, yeah, which is good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying, it, but I'm saying it's it's not much different. There's not much difference going on there. They're dealing with some injuries. Zach Parise has been down. Uh, they've had some pretty good young guys step up. Uh, they, uh, what's his name? Erickson Eck. Is that his name? He's a, he's a rookie. He's been pretty good. Um, Matt Dumba. They've got a lot out of Matt Dumba this year. Um, anyways, the, the Wild are are fine. It just they're just exactly what you'd expect. With a better coach. Yeah, with a better coach. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, the, the Central is kind of interesting right now because there's a lot of teams kind of right there with, as I, as I kind of mentioned, some, some different trend lines uh, going on, except for the Avalanche, which are just kind of in the basement. So. James Barrow. What? Hashtag James Barrow. So, it's what I've been doing for the uh, James Avalanche. Spiral? James Barrow. It's hashtag James Barrow okay. for the Avalanche. I had actually had a. Friend of mine tweeted that at me when the Predators weren't doing well, and, and I was like, "Whatever, just wait." And then it happened. The shame spiral began. There you go. And I believe Duchesne's out with a concussion right now, so it's just going to get worse. Wow. Yeah, that's not good. Because <clears throat> pretty much everything goes through him. Um. All right. So uh, anything else uh, with the rest of the league? Any, any other any other notes? Um. I, one thing I w- I did want to mention is that the Calder Trophy right now seems pr- it's going to be really exciting to watch to me. Because there's just so many good young players, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be impossible to award to the right player because someone's someone's going to deserve it and not get it. I kind of wonder if Austin or Austin Matthews is going to miss out on the Calder simply because he's in Toronto and everybody's ragging him so hard. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if he misses out on it. I, I would think that it probably comes down between uh, someone like Patrick Line and. Uh, I, I, Jimmy Vesey is probably he he's gone through a little bit of a of a of a lull here, but don't count him out because I think that he's probably in that in that setup in, in New York he's gonna have a lot. Yeah, of he's gonna he's gonna maintain that 15 percent shooting percentage. No, That's, he's he's that good. He's not gonna maintain that, but he's gonna maintain he's gonna get a lot of opportunities. All you have to do is wait to the last half of the season when he stops scoring, see Philip Forsberg's rookie yeah. year, and then everyone will forget about him. Well, if if he has twenty six goals like Forsberg did. He'll probably get a better chance of winning the uh, Calder than Forsberg did because uh, Forsberg was going up against Canada's 12-year-old Johnny Goudreau and 18-year-old Aaron Ekblad. Did you know that Johnny Goudreau is 12 years old? I did not know that. Check it. Hockey reference. Go there. It says 12 years old. Wow. I'm surprised you get a work visa for the U.S. That's true. I didn't think about that. Anyways, my point was the Calder Trophy is uh, really going to be exciting to watch, and I, I, I don't know. I, I would like I would like Patrick Lyon to win it just because I think he's really good, and I'm you know I'm a big fan of his. So, any other thoughts? We can tell. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's awesome. Just like I'm not disagreeing. Coming out of him is just amazing. Oh well, see that, that's the thing I like about him mm-hmm. is that he actually has personality. personality. He's not he's not letting it be crushed out of him. Yeah. Which means he didn't come up through the, the the Canadian Hockey League system. Hooray! Yeah, there you go. We'll see if Winnipeg manages to crush it out of him because he gave a quote after scoring on the power play, I believe it was, about yeah, I know they were struggling last year, but I came in and now we're scoring, <laughs> and he guts that on the next power play. 
and they didn't score. You know what? You know what? Keep doing that until they they're like, oh, he's toxic. We need to get rid of him. And like, do you want anyone on the Predators roster? Yeah, anyone. All right, let's that, would actually, that would actually get Craig Smith away from him. Would be would be line A, I think. Oh yeah, definitely <laughs> oh, for sure. What about Soros? Actually, that's a good. That's an interesting point. First of all, no. <laughs> um, but second, like that was a big thing. Like like when Vasnik gets sent down and Soros got brought up, uh-huh. like you were like, oh hey, Soros is up, hurry hurry, and like he's not going to get to play. No. And everyone's like, well, why not? Why would they? Well, it's because the only reason they sent Mazix down is so he could play games. I mean, it means I mean, the second that happened, it meant Peck was playing every game that week. Why do the Predators even have a backup? What's the point of having a backup if they never play? Like, why not? If you're worried about him not getting time, just maybe maybe play him so Peck is not playing. And this is the time eighty wanna, games. This is the time you want to play him. Yeah. I mean, the, the, why couldn't why couldn't he have started I mean, the same? Learn. Game? I know the Predators are obsessed with. Pecorini sets Pecorini's own schedule, but, you know, I set my own work – like, I don't set my own work schedule entirely, but, like, I choose when I go on vacation for work, and I tend to not take vacation. I get burned out. If someone's like, you need to take vacation and you're burned out, I'd take the vacation. I wouldn't get burned out as much. Right. It's the same thing with Pecorini. Somebody needs to be like, no, you're not in charge anymore. I'm the coach. I run the team. You're playing this number of games. We have a backup. He's going to play some games because we know Pecca gets to decide when he plays. That's just that's the culture. Well, Father Time will will be the boss at some point. Yeah, well, that, that, Father Time's been the boss a lot of a lot of times, and that's when he fades down the stretch, and the Predators start losing positioning. Drives me nuts. You have a really good goaltender. Let him let him stay healthy by not destroying him by December or January. I also want to see Saros play. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, we kind of covered some stuff around the league. Um, Let's take some. Let's do some Twitter questions real quick. Uh, we'll kind of hit these pretty quickly. Uh, some of them are um, similar to the things we've talked about in the past, but uh, some of them are pretty good. So let's start with at Gunnar Baruse. I don't think I said that right, but anyways, his question is: uh, RB is only seven points away from his point record last year. Is it safe to say that he will be our breakout player of the year? I think it's a pretty resounding yes. I don't know who else is going to break out. I mean, Fiala got sent down already. I don't think that was the right decision, but he got sent down already. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, he's playing the PK. I guess yeah. He's playing on the penalty kill. I don't think anyone thought Arvidsson was going to be playing the penalty kill at any time. And he's doing well. Breakout player, absolutely. Yeah, he's great. He's definitely going to exceed the total from last year, no question about it. Yeah, it, it, really fun to watch. We've already talked about it, but uh, he... Breakout player of the year, breakout player of probably the next two years. Breakout player of our hearts. <laughs> breaking our hearts? Breakout player of our hearts. No, I know, but doesn't that mean he's breaking our hearts? And maybe replacing it with hearts of pure gold. Oh, okay. I feel pure better. Swedish gold. I feel better now. Um, at John J. Soundwave says, I'm not a stats guy, but from what I read, the pre- I think he, I think it says red. What I read, the Preds still aren't courtying enough despite the wins what say you what say you are the preds coursing enough through these wins i think they could they could they could course you about 10 percent harder and find a little bit more success um is that what's written on the board and the, the coaching when they go for a team meeting yeah it's harder. yeah um you know they they have their their morning toast jam and coursey um it's it's a little bit like caviar but it's it's not russian you know what kind of jam i like paper I'm sorry. Continue. 
Oh, they could cool. definitely send a Corsi harder and maybe a little bit better and a little earlier. Some I of think these games they're taking over about halfway through, but they're just getting run over the first period, first thirty minutes of the game. The, the ever yeah. elusive uh, full sixty predators. We rarely see that team, not just this year, but in the past. And when they can put it together, they're unstoppable. When mm-hmm. we see that, um, I mean, we saw it a little against Ottawa. I want to see them. Granted, Ottawa's second in in the Atlantic, but I want to see the Predators do that against some really like tough teams. Yeah. Because uh, you know, we saw them be good against a mediocre team. A lot of times we've been seeing them be mediocre against mediocre teams, and that's enough to keep you in the race, but it's not enough to to get you to the finish line. And um, that's the, so. Be, I just want to see some of those performances against good teams, and them just not crumble or put in just 20 minutes at the end when they're already out of it. Yeah. When we look at the week ahead. We're not going to get that opportunity this week, just FYI. Well, they're playing Ottawa again. Yeah, right. Um, uh, oh, that was facetious. Yes, it was. It was a joke. I'm with you now. At Preds Talk says, when when he returns, will Tony Batetto replace someone on the back end? Offensive juggernaut Matt Irwin and Weber have been good. They have been good. And it's not like Irwin's you know, a rookie. I mean, he's a veteran with a lot of experience. Um I mean, I certainly think it means. I think it means Matt Carl is probably could be shipped off to wherever. Yeah, where, is he even here anymore? He's just a perfect scratch. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, someone. I don't know if the president going to trade someone or send send someone down. Uh, certainly, none of Weber, Potato, or Irwin deserve that. It's just a matter of what they can do with the Matt Carl contract, um, which you know, a little bit of of. Favoritism from from La Violette to pick up that uh, pick up uh, Carl on the cheap. I was skeptical when it happened because Carl hasn't been good since he left Philadelphia, and who knows what was going on in Philadelphia necessarily. Um, but he's just he's been the same guy he was in Tampa. I don't know why you put him on the ice. Yeah, Irvin's been great. I'm not sure if I was scratching in favor of Weber and Batetto or not. Maybe cycle uh, him and Batetto maybe on the the third pairing side. But I'm not sure. If they would have to waive or waive um, Carl for what? Yeah, Batero spent a lot of last year and the year before as sort of that seventh defenseman, um, just spot start kind of kind of player. He may have kind of been bumped to that as, again because I don't see any reason for them to replace either Matt or or Yannick Weber. Yannick Weber is fast. He he can skate, and I, I was pretty impressed by that. I knew I knew that he played that style at Vancouver pretty much because that's all that they had on the blue line up there. But I was, I've just been very impressed at the, at the ability that he has to, to really move the puck and skate with it. And then Matt Irwin has just been solid kind of all around. Um, at a Wenzel 22, making another appearance on the, on the, uh, the podcast opinion on the drop pass zone entry on the P on the power play. We've been using it for a while and I'm not really fond of it. Hashtag podcast. I think I made some joke at some point about how the Predators seem to have forgotten that the forward pass was invented. <laughs> um, and someone shared, a, I might have been, might have been, I can't remember, it might, it might have been the person who asked the question, um, shared this fascinating article about the history of where the pass came from and how it did, you know, it may have killed a guy just because the effort, you know, it was, it was a really interesting article about the history of the, the forward pass. Um, but, I mean, are they overusing it? It certainly, I mean, it looks pretty when they pull it off. And it lets them enter the zone with speed. I mean, one of my one of my pet peeves was always they're trying to do more control zone entries, but it ends up being a bunch of forwards sitting on the blue line standing still and, and some guy trying to skate past them. And that creates a lot of congestion, makes it really hard to get into the zone. So the, the, the drop pass thing helps 
helps with that. I think it helps get the speed. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it is a higher risk type type deal. I mean, if anytime you're doing that, even if it's getting you in the zone, it's just it, it, especially if you're doing it consistently, the other teams are going to be able to take advantage of that. We've seen that, and it's certainly hurt the Predators. But if it gets them into the zone and has them in actual scoring positions and not just cycling on the boards endlessly, I'm kind of okay with it. Uh, except when they're trying it over and over again to clear the other team has adapted, then change it up. But if it works, keep doing it. Otherwise, they're doing it every single time. Right. And they don't seem to be able to come with anything different when teams are shutting them down. How many times have we seen a power play go by and they try to do, enter the zone four times and they haven't actually managed to get across the blue line because the other team's defenders are poking it back away into the neutral zone. Mm-hmm. So they need to figure out that they can try it one time, then they try jumping in and going and getting it again. It's like there are more than one way to enter the zone. Yeah, something about the strategy works. I mean, the Predators are not the only team that does that. I know Chicago does it. Um, I've seen you know Pittsburgh do it occasionally, although they usually carry into the zone on the power play. So other teams do it. It's not a poor. It's not a bad strategy. It is bad when you only use it, and so when that's your only strategy to use. So you need to have multiple ways of getting into the zone on the power play because teams teams pick up on it. and They can shut it down pretty easily. So. Um, all right, so uh, I think that pretty much does it for the. We we had some other Twitter questions. We've kind of covered some of them uh, already, but uh, but thank you for saying that we value you so much. Yes, we we do. We of course value you. I'm just gonna double check and make sure. Um, actually, I do any want to, latecomers? With a late I do. I do want to ask this one because just we had uh, because we've been getting frosties recently. Vanilla or chocolate frosty? This is from a at Kevin Hairless. Kevin Hairless. Yeah, at Kevin underscore Hairless. Do you like vanilla or chocolate frosty? I always get chocolate frosties. I really like vanilla ice cream, but I always get chocolate frosties because for me, that's a true frosty. Last time I had one, I had vanilla. Okay. It was really good. Another part of the question is type of donut and coffee. What's your go-to donut? What's the end coffee part? That throws me. Type type of coffee, I think is what I was asking. Coffee. Like the free I mean, I, I, I get, um, I mean, the coffee I drink when I'm not drinking tea um, I use, I get Just Love, um, you know, typically the Guatemalan blend if okay. I really like. Though, if you can, if, if you make the trip down to, um, oh, now I'm blanking. There's an Ethiopian restaurant, uh, Amy's, Amy's Ethiopian restaurant. It's down, um, really pretty close to the Fort Ice Center. Um, they actually, Just Love does some special roasts for them. Okay. Um, that are really, really they have a really dark, dark roast that has some really nice chocolate and and um, and uh, like raspberry undertones. That's fantastic. Um, but those that's that's my go-to coffee. Cool. Donut. Uh, donut varies. Um, I'm gonna give you three answers. Um, <laughs> if I'm not paying attention to how healthy I'm eating, and granted, I know we're talking about donuts. I just go for the the um, the custard. A custard filled donut. Ah. Um, unfortunately, like a single custard filled donut is like 600 plus calories. It's ridiculous. Um, my standards: apple fritter. Not, not really a donut necessarily. So I'll, right. I'll finish with the uh, blueberry cake. Is is probably my oh, my yeah. apex. I think the perfect donut is the Krispy Kreme glazed donut with the hot sinus sauce. It's like the most yes. perfect angel donut possible. Yeah. I like the chocolate covered one. But... Whatever we get, the free ones from from the. Shoutouts. I always get the Dunkin' Donuts with sprinkles. I don't, uh-huh. like, I don't like their glazed donuts. And but also Dunkin' Donuts has a thing where it's a croissant donut that's like filled with like 
apple pie filling. Mm-hmm. That's I don't even want to make calories or it, but it is incredible. Really good donut. Um, which maybe there's maybe there's a listener here who might be able to get. There's a really huge farmers market um, in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Just a massive, massive farmers market. And there is uh, a place that sells just donuts. They're not iced or anything, but they fill them with different creams. So there's a ring donut filled with different creams. They like peanut butter cream and things like that. And they're not overly sugary. They're really pleasant. The cream is not like, it's not stuff that hurts your teeth with all the sugar in it. Um, oh, super, super good. It's by, it's right next to one of the uh, main entrance exits. Um, that it's sounds in the, great. It's in the Farms market. Well, you have a lot of the Amish um, yeah. people. They, they come and they sell, like sell baked goods and things like that. And it's one of the Amish uh, booths. And it's just oh, it's so, so good. Talk for some donuts. Let's get donuts next time we do this. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I won't stop you. You can do what you want. Uh, real quick, look at the week ahead. The Predators play the Maple Leafs on Tuesday. They Three road games. Three road games this week. They go to Toronto to play the Maple Leafs on Tuesday, then go to Ottawa to play the Senators um, on Thursday, and then to St. Louis to play the Blues on Saturday. So three road games. I, I don't know. They, they already played two of these teams, so we already know what we're getting into. Um, the Maple Leafs, it'll be interesting to see how they how they play against the Maple Leafs because the Maple Leafs play a pretty different style, and they've also got some pretty unknowns for, for our team. I mean, a lot of not a lot of players that we've seen. Um, I'd like to see four points at least, if not more. I'm, I'm going to go with two and one, I think. I think two and one. I'm just a little worried about a Saturday night game in St. Louis. That's my thoughts, too. Uh, I want four points out of this week, and then I sort of expect them to drop in St. Louis, as long as they can beat the two Canadian teams. That's that's all right with you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the, the Predators get to go to what people think is the capital of Canada and then go to the actual capital of Canada. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. not Exciting. the actual capital of Canada. It's the suburbs of the capital of Canada. It's what? like in a capfield. Ottawa? No, the stadium. It's, in, it's not in Oh, Ottawa. the stadium. Oh, oh okay. Okay. I, you were about to blow my mind. I was like, wait a minute. The, uh, the capital's not Ottawa? The Prime like, Minister actually... of Canada's a cow? I was confused. <laughs> wow, that was... Uh... I was about to bust out the map or something. I was like, where is this all, capital? All I know about Ottawa, really, is that it's supposed to be just a really boring city. Yeah, it was picked because it was in the middle of nowhere. Hmm. Well, there's a lot of places in Canada that could fit for. I mean, they could make the, cap- the capital to be Medicine Hat or Lethbridge. All right, on that note, we're going to finish up here. Um, thanks for listening to it as to us as usual. Um, I am Alex. You can follow me at AlexDarty1. He is Chris. You can follow him at 3D Link, and she is Maria. You can follow her at underscore Maria underscore K. You can follow the show at On the Forecheck or go to onthefortech.com. What are you smiling at? Nothing. <laughs> um, any, any last party thoughts? You can follow me on Twitter for all sorts of Canadian geographical know-how. And what, what can we expect from your Twitter feed? Centaurs. Centaurs. I, I don't know. Okay. On that note, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time.